Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. Great to have you listening to this one. So we have Paul Allen on. He's the voice of the Minnesota Vikings. He's real good. Hosts a talk show up there. You know, for a while, when I was doing shows on 610, Paul and I were the only play-by-play guys in the NFL doing a regular sports talk show on a sports station as opposed to on a news station. Anyway, the only guys doing that, Bob Papa does NFL radio. That's not the same thing. Paul's up there talking about the T-Wolves and talking about the Wild and the Twins and all of that. And I was on 610 up until 2012 talking about the Rockets and the Astros and the Texans, of course. Um, but now he's the only one. He's the only play-by-play announcer in the league doing a regular daily sports talk show about all sports. And he does an excellent job. He's also a horse racing announcer. Uh, one note here on the uh, three coaches being in the building at the same time. And we've talked about this on the shows. I just wanted to mention a few things right here. It's very special to have them all together. And obviously for me, in my life, this has been really special. Not to make it all about me, but, hey, it's my podcast. (laughs) Let's just be honest here. Uh, No, seriously, though, Dom Capers was so good to me when he was here as the first head coach in the history of the franchise. And, you know, I'll never forget all our all our get-togethers, doing pregame interviews, doing other interviews. Uh, he had some really nice wins, never had a winning season. You know, obviously went better for him as an expansion coach in Carolina. I think they were more loaded, well, that's clear, uh, than the Texans were to start out. And they went to an NFC championship game in their second year of existence. I mean, that is strong stuff. Uh, with the Texans, it didn't go as well. But he still did some good things here. There's no question. And somebody asked me, you know, what was my favorite win? You know, with the Capers era, obviously the Cowboy game opening night, you know, you could win 10 Super Bowls, and that night will always be remembered as a top Texans win. Not the top, but a top win and something that's near the top because it's just so meaningful to win on opening night, especially against that franchise so uh that's his all-time win you know my favorite capers wins other than that and other than maybe the three defensive scores that beat the steelers in 02 i mentioned this on the show beating miami week one of 03 andre johnson's debut in miami the dolphins at that time in their history were unbeatable at home in september i think they had lost once in the super bowl era in September at home because it's hot, humid, horrible, but the Texans are kind of used to that sort of thing. Even though it's more humid in Miami, they went to Miami and won on opening day, and that was a very cool win. Also, beating the Titans for the first time ever, which was up there with Steve McNair and all those great players they had, beating them up there in 04 was a huge win that people never talk about. So I'll never forget that one. Uh, Those are the Capers wins. Under-the-radar Kubiak win And this is something else that I talked about on the show. You know, obviously everyone talks about the very much on-the-radar win that clinched the division for the first time against the Bengals in 11. But I'll go to 07, Kubiak's second year. They've never gotten 500 as a franchise. And there they are, and they're 5-7, and and they need a couple of wins to get to 500 to have a chance. And Sage Rosenfels is starting because Schaub just joined the team in 07, but he's banged up a lot. He looks good when he's in there, but he's banged up a lot. Rosenfeld starts against the Buccaneers on a Sunday at home, and they beat Tampa Bay with Darius Walker at running back. I mean, they were banged up, and they beat the Buccaneers at home. And then four days later, they're taking on the Broncos on a Thursday nighter, Kubiak's former employer. And Mario Williams has three sacks. They go crazy. A primetime audience. Rosenfels plays well. They score on the opening drive again, and they beat the Broncos, and they go to 500. And for a few days, they were kind of the talk of the league, like, wow, here come the Texans. They're 500. Now, the Colts were running away with the division at the time, but 
and wild card possibilities were iffy at best, even if you won out. And they were going to play the Colts in week 16, and they lost that game. But they ultimately finished 500, beating the Jags, and that was something at the time to finish 500 for the first time ever. Anyway, those two wins, it's kind of a two-game swing for Kubiak's under-the-radar wins. And the Bill O'Brien under-the-radar victory, you know, I talk about the win against the Ravens in in, uh, 14, as Case Keenum came out of the deer blind, we've told that story a lot. Uh, and the Texans were able to undress the Ravens at home in front of the fans. Kubiak's return as an offensive coordinator, the offense not performing that day for the Ravens. That was a great win at the time. Uh, and then I think the other under-the-radar win that never gets talked about, you know, my favorite all-time Texans road win other than the Bengal game might be that 2015 first time beating the Colts game when Brandon Whedon came off the bench and you were able to beat the Colts for the first time ever up there. But a year later, the Texans were riding a three-game losing streak. Brock Osweiler's the quarterback. Everything feels very dicey, like you might slip below 500 and this thing's a total disaster in 2016. And they're up at Indy. Can they do it again? Can they beat them on the road again? And this time they have Andrew Luck. And they did beat them. And it was just a huge game. Lamar Miller had over 100. Uh, Clowney had a big strip sack. Whitney recovered the fumble, just changed everything, changed the game around. And I thought that was a big under-the-radar sort of win. As we look back, at the time, we all knew that that was a big win that turned the season around for them, and they were able to win the division uh, for the second consecutive year. Okay, those are my under-the-radar wins for the three coaches who will be in the building, as Kubiak is the Vikings' OC and Dom Capers' special assistant to the defense. And let's get to Paul Allen now, voice of the Minnesota Vikings, and he's 0-3, not him but the team, and it's not very enjoyable, and that's where we start out. No, it's not at all, you know, and, and Mark, first of all, thanks for having me on. Secondly, you know, with the, with the Titans incurring, um, a COVID problem early in the week, you know, and us having played the Titans last Sunday, well, that, you know, that, that throws something else legitimately into the mix, into this Texans game, simply from a mental standpoint with, uh, you know, the facility, uh, not being open X amount of days. And, um, and, and you know, man, distractions are the ultimate equalizer. So, uh, in, in game one, you know, I, I've called 300 some odd games, um, as long as you, right around 19 years. And, you know, the, the Aaron Rodgers performance in game one with no fans is the single greatest, most dominant quarterback performance I have ever witnessed live in my life. And then the next game, we're, we're at Indy. It was terrible. We were just awful. And then, you know, we, we fire a bullet offensively against Tennessee and get run down at the wire. So it's, I, I just, I've never seen anything like this in 19 years. And, um, hopefully we can win this weekend. Just looking at the numbers from that Vikings Titans game. I mean, you run it for over 200 yards. And usually when that happens, it's a win going away. But were turnovers the great equalizer in that one? How did you see it? Well, you, you know what, bud? Um, we're, we're the only team in the history of the NFL to have a running back and receiver in the same game with 175 yards or more in the same game. I mean, and we lost. <laughs> so, yes, yes, giving the ball to them. Cook did it early. Um, Cousins had a bad one right out of halftime uh, because we had some momentum going into the locker room, got the ball to start the second half. The, the Titans hadn't mugged the A-gap at all the first half. They, they did it on on a given play, and both guys came. One got through. Cousins freaked out, threw it to the right. 
went right to Jonathan Joseph, should have been a pick six, bad call in Jadeveon Clowney. So that that was a gut punch. And really, after that, the Vikings offense responded. Defense might have gotten a little tired. But, yeah, man, turnovers, you know, turnovers for the balance of the season have been bad. Up into that Titans game, amazingly, we we were getting outscored 43-3 to in quarters two and three. And they, they were just haymakers being delivered. And, um, you know, the, at the end of the equation, the injury situation, Mark, uh, that, that they've had here early, uh, not having Daniil Hunter and losing Anthony Barr for the season, uh, it's been unbelievable. And, uh, and they're paying for it now. Paul Allen, voice of the Vikings, joining us on Texans Radio. Okay, the offense is coached by Gary Kubiak. So what are you seeing that's different? I know that you haven't gotten any wins yet. You had a big output in yardage and points last week. What are you seeing from the Kubiak attack? You know, man, one of the uh, most exciting facets of the, this game Sunday for me is mentor versus Tyro in that Anthony Weaver played for Gary for you guys. Yep. You know, and Gary has immense respect for Anthony, you know, but, but here Gary's the mentor. Anthony's calling plays for the first time in his career. So I think that is a really cool dynamic, and I got a lot of respect for Anthony. With Gary, it's very interesting because, you know, Kubiak was the assistant head coach and and helped Kevin Stefanski coordinate the offense last year. Kevin becomes head coach at Cleveland. So you never really knew how much Kevin was doing and, and what influence Gary had. Now, you know, there have been times where it just looks like Cousins hasn't completely been as comfortable as he was last year. And that, that could be a new voice coming into the helmet, um, different defensive ways people are combating the zone scheme. So, uh, Gary's fantastic. I mean, he's unbelievably good at what he does. Um, at this stage of his career, he still cares as much as he ever has. And, uh, the offense is going to be a constant for this team all season. It's probably not making the rounds up there, but you do have Dom Capers on the staff as well. So Sunday, all three head coaches in the history of the Texans franchise will be in the building together working at that game. And you probably haven't had much interaction with Capers because of COVID and everything, but it is a unique dynamic to have those three around. Yeah, yeah there's no doubt. And, um, you know, actually, right before, you know, the, uh, the pandemic purge in March, I had a chance to uh, chat with Dom a little bit in February, early March, you know, right around combine time. And, man, he's just, um, and, you know, and, and I don't know what you remember about him, but just just a very smiley, peaceful man, a man very secure in his faith, very, uh, you know, very open with talking about Scripture and the gospel, and, and I'm really into that. And, you know, so he's just a very kind man. Yeah, he's a wonderful guy, Paul. Uh, the day he was fired, he still did his coach's show. That's what kind of man he is. And it was an awesome show. As you can imagine, we had a, a lot of memories to discuss, and his coaching history is just incredible. Paul Allen with us, voice of the Vikings. Okay, where are we at now in the career evaluation of Cousins? You know, it's um, it, it's weird because at, in facets of the first game against Green Bay, at home but no fans, he was really, really good, and then there were some problems. Um, I, I, I thought it was below average at best against Indianapolis. And um, and then mostly he threw some wonderful, wonderful passes in the Titans game, you know, but but he also threw that bad pick. And then our final two drives, man, we're trying to win it. It was just terrible. And there were just, you know, bad snaps and stuff like that. So, 
you know, it, it's Kirk's been in the league a while, and a lot of people are focusing on no preseason, like like for the Texans, man. It's when I started deep diving your squad, one of the first things that jumped out at me is the offensive coordinator has had one season of calling plays, if he even does that. But the defensive coordinator and the special teams coordinator, it's the first year for them. Yeah. With, with not calling games in the preseason, are you kidding me? I mean, that's unbelievably tough. So, so I, I have a high level of respect for those guys doing what they're doing. Um, but it's not just new players or rookies or players who have gone to other teams who are missing those preseason reps and those preseason practices. You know, maybe Cousins needed the, the time he would play in preseason games one, two, and three to get up to speed. So now that those three games are done and, and, you know, what we saw from rookie Justin Jefferson, it's clear he needed preseason. He's come together. You know, we, we got a bunch of young corners who really, really struggled early. They're getting better and cousins is getting better too. But from a comfortability standpoint, quite honestly, I think he just missed preseason. All right, so Justin Jefferson has that breakout game. Who does he remind you of who's played this game, if anybody? Um, you know, he wears number 18. It's convenient to go to Sidney Rice 2009 season with Favre. Uh, Sidney was taller than Justin. But the reason I say Sidney is we, we, for whatever the reason, Mark, have not thrown many 50-50 balls around here. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to, uh, get Texans fans to belabor maybe their favorite player, DeAndre Hopkins, no longer being there. But just think about Watson throwing up that 50-50 to Hopkins and and how good DeAndre and players like that are. Well, with Diggs and Thielen, we just never did it. Now, with Jefferson, unbelievable leaping ability, and there was a an outbreaking route to the left of Cousins where Kirk dropped in a dime, but it was 50-50 with Malcolm Butler. And the body control leaping ability and composure Justin had on that play to win the 50-50, that was unbelievably eye-opening to me, A, that we're starting to do that, and B, the poise he had when he brought it down. So, you know, I think the the Sidney Rice would be the answer, man. All right, tell me about the Vikings' defense. What are you seeing so far? Obviously, too many points for the opponent, but tell me what the upside is as we march on through the season here. Well, in in Zimmer's reign here, I and we never have seen anything like this. Um, he's unbelievably good coaching defense. Now, I mean, in, in, in case the, the audience or you don't remember, I mean, in in our New Orleans playoff game, he he pulled off one of the fantastic tricks that I've ever seen. You know, in up to and I saw it all week during practice. But again, you 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 need to see it work before you can say that it it was a novel idea. He took defensive ends to Neil Hunter and Everson Griffin and moved them inside for the whole first half. Breeze had no idea what was coming, and Andrus Pete and Larry Warford couldn't handle him. So, so that right there dictated the tempo of the game. Mm-hmm. Zimmer does stuff like that. That that's how ingenious he can be. Now with this defense, no Daniel Hunter first three games. They trade a second and a fifth for Unique Ngakwe. You know more about him than me, but we're starting to figure out. You know, pass rush, setting up moves, looks to be really good. couple of sacks, strip sacks in um, successive games, um, and it's coming together. But, you know, he they're, they're, they're with, with, with Unique, you know, I think you need a complimentary guy so he can really do his thing. Um, our defensive line pass rush has basically been non-existent outside of Ngakwe. 
Uh, we lose Barr for the season. Eric Kendricks, like Bernard, uh, Bernarderick McKinney, they came out of the same draft. They're both incredibly good. I, I think Eric's the best pass covering linebacker in the NFL, maybe this side of Darius Leonard. Then in the secondary, the safeties, Harrison Smith and Anthony Harris, um, they're both really, really good. A 22, Smith had an unbelievably good game against Tennessee. Uh, now you get to the corners, the familiar names, Xavier Rhodes, who, who um, you'll see with the Colts, and uh, Trey Waynes and uh, Mackenzie Alexander, they're all gone. So now you draft Jeff Gladney from TCU, played nine plays against the Packers, had a rough, rough game against Phillip Rivers in Indianapolis, had a rough quarter and a half against Tannehill, then it clicked. He started to get better. And, and so Gladney's coming together. Other side of that, third-year guy, Holton Hill, college free agent, you know, who's doing okay. But uh, the best corner they have is Cam Dantzler, a third-round pick from uh, Mississippi State, um, and, and he hasn't played the last two games. So, so I told you, ma'am, you know, in, in this nearly two decades I've done this, with these injuries right now, I've never seen anything like it in my career. Mm, that is so tough. Paul Allen, voice of the Vikings, with us. A couple more for you. You played the Colts. It did not go well. You were at Indy. Give me a little scouting report on them. How do they look? Was it just a bad day for the Vikings, or can they be that good? Well, with the with the Indianapolis Colts, you know, the obviously that offensive line, which you know more about than me. I mean, the the Frank Reich and and that staff, they took Quentin Nelson, the best overall offensive lineman in the NFL, uh, any position, and they're so good at identifying one or two players that they they just want to mash on. But when you're hurt like us, it made it easier for them. So Nelson dictated a lot of things in the running game that we don't usually see. Uh, thus, Taylor went for 100 and change. Um, they, they lost Paris Campbell early in that game. T.Y. Hilton had a nondescript game. Uh, this tight end, Mo Alley-Cox, the, uh, the basketball player, he got us. He's not as good as, um, as we made him look. Uh, but he had a good game. And, you know, Dar- Darius Leonard, man, I mean, it's the first time I've seen him. He's unbelievable. And some of some of these plays he makes in pass coverage with just what he takes away and makes you throw it other directions. When I watched that game back, I was like, this Darius Leonard's unbelievable. Mm. All right. Well, thanks a lot. I was hoping for a less uh, glowing review of them. Paul, what about broadcasting during this coronavirus era we're in? Uh, we see the NBA in the bubble, the NHL. Uh, we've seen all the sports, and obviously the NFL, we're handling it a specific way radio-wise. What are you thinking so far? Uh, it's okay. I mean, you know, I think I think you, you can appreciate this, that God bless the fans, and, and I wish every stadium was full. And at U.S. Bank Stadium, man, with where they put me on the 30 behind the Vikings bench, I got fans right in front of me. So, you know, I've gotten to know these people. But when the, when, when the game takes off, you know, it, it's, it's almost like the fans aren't there because you're so hyper focused on the game. Right. So actually, when I get into the game, it's okay. What, what's really stunning me and what's really saddening me is during the Star Spangled Banner or the anthems, you know, that, that's a very personal, private, quiet, peaceful, prayer-laden moment, and there's a certain stimulation or buzz that usually is in the building during that time, and then there's not, you yeah. know, and, and, you know, you've called games at Kansas City. Uh, it's, it's for my taste, it's, uh, it's my least favorite booth in the NFL because it's enclosed. Right. Um, so you just, you know, hey, we're at Arrowhead with all these rabid fans, and we can't feel them. It just sucks. Yeah. Um, but, you know, with, with our home games, we've had two of them. We close our glass because I got the coaches right next to us. 
So, I mean, you know, we have a tendency to get loud doing what we're doing. And I respect, you know, that they don't want any distractions or to hear anything. But, you know, no fans, glasses closed. It's a, you know, it's a little sterile. Been okay. We can't, we're, we're not winning. So that plays into it. Now, the, um, the one game I called off TV against Indianapolis, got the TV copy, got the all 22. Um, it's okay. I mean, you know, I, I think I did a good job. I had some misidentifications in there. It was a terrible game. Uh, but, but, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be the one that complains about every little thing because right. there are too many people like that in the world now. Mm-hmm. And the people to whom you're complaining, they have a list of 50 things that are bugging them too. <laughs> so you just made it 51. So I've really gotten, I've really matured and gotten good at, you know, picking my proverbial fights when it comes to, radio, broadcasting, where I can go, who I can talk to, the whole thing. And I, I think that's best for everybody involved. Well put. Great wisdom there, Paul. One more. Horse racing. What's up with that sport? I don't know how you call that. I mean, because that's like 10 races a day, and you have the colored helmets or whatever you're doing to identify these different horses. That's ridiculous. I think what we need to do, ma'am, is let me see. What's by you, Ritama? Uh, oh, no, Sam, Sam Houston. Houston. Yeah, Yeah, Ritama's by San Antonio. I got to figure out who the announcer is down there and I got to come down there and you and I go mm-hmm. and, uh, maybe for a charity or something, we have you call a race. I've done and, quarter uh, horses before, like the, you know, the hundred yard dash or whatever it is, you know. Well, that's easy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the quarter horse bit's easy because like if I haven't memorized the silks, yeah. you know, and, and there, and the race is going to be 13 seconds, it seriously can be and they're racing photo finish. Yeah. I would never do that, <laughs> but you can do that. Um, with uh, the Preaknesses this weekend, nobody cares about the Triple Crown this year uh, because of the, the just uh, every just it's out of order in the minds of everybody else. <laughs> uh, but um, you know, when Belmont Derby Preakness this weekend, Breeders' Cup coming up after that, and you know there um, there are minimal fans or no fans at racetracks and. You know, that th- this whole thing actually has helped me a little bit into the Viking season because, you know, when the pandemic hit and every, everything scattered, I, I and my producer, along with eight others, continued doing our radio show at KPAN. So I was in the office and uh, around people. So then the racetrack begins June 10th, no fans, and I'm at the track around people. And, um, and so therefore that continued likewise with the football team for the most part. So it's just, I just feel for people, man, who, you know, like went virtual in March and then in say in September, October, November, it's like, all right, well, everybody's coming back and it's got to be normal. Not going to be normal, you know, right. because you don't know who, who, who a is working in fear and I'm not mad at them. And on the other side, you don't know who's cavalier and they're like, this whole thing's a hoax. It's made up and I'm never wearing a mask, but they exist. Right. So, and then now they're reintegrating. So it's, um, the, the, the mental, the, the mental situation March to now is something I'm very cognizant of, something I respect greatly and, um, you know, something that I don't think enough people focus on. Paul, outstanding stuff. We really appreciate the visit, and we look forward to the game on Sunday, however we bring it to people. Hey, man, I can't wait to get down there and hang out with you. Oh, um, <laughs> All right, well, you know what? Since I'm calling it off TV and uh, you'll be at the stadium, I think I'm going to try to make you uh, to throw you off a little bit and text you during the game. Do it. Do it. Looking forward ah. to it, Paul. Thanks. All right, see you, Mark.
There's my buddy Paul Allen, voice of the Minnesota Vikings. I want to thank everyone who listened to the podcast today. Please listen to more of them. DPs with the Deep Slant interview, Drews with the In the Lab podcast with John Harris and all the rest of them. Thanks so much for being a part of it. Have a great day, everyone, and go Texans.